retreat center, the teachings of the Lord Buddha highly influenced this art form. It has other influences also, which you will be able to detect. And so uh, I think that I don't need to uh, give any more introduction to this person who is... And so a drum roll, please. Good evening, everyone. Welcome to the Spirit Rock Cabaret. Actually, I, I have a very serious message to impart. Uh, I'm not just a, a cheap entertainer. In fact, I'm here tonight to tell you some stories about the work we've been doing. I've been, I've been working on uh, this new story that we're all trying to tell ourselves and we're all trying to feel our way into. And uh, I'll share a couple episodes of that story with you tonight, the story that uh, reconnects. And I want to start at the very beginning. In the beginning, there was nothing. And it was good. (laughs) Nothing can ever be wrong with nothing. In the beginning, there wasn't any space, so there was no place to put anything. And it was good. In the beginning, there wasn't any time, so nothing ever got done. Nobody cared. And then suddenly, there was a big bang. It happened 13.7 billion years ago today. Why not? Happy birthday to you, too. 13.7 billion years ago today, there was a little dot. Somebody actually, some people came to the scientists after they came up with the Big Bang Theory, and they said, if there had been nothing, what banged? (laughs) And the scientists said, good question. And they went back and they reconfigured, and they found out there had been something, a dot, a singularity, a point smaller than an atom. And so it came to pass, saith the scientists. This is a new creation myth. We want to put some pomp into it. And so it came to pass, saith the scientists, that 13.7 billion years ago, that dot exploded. And out of the explosion came the elementary forces and the elementary particles, and they began mixing and morphing and eventually creating billions of galaxies full of billions of suns and planets and the earth and all the mountains and the oceans, the forests, the people, the animals, the shoes, the socks, the zabutans, everything you can know of and name, and it all came out of the explosion of a tiny dot smaller than an atom. Now, isn't that more plausible than the idea of a God who created everything in six days? (laughs) Take your pick. Which is more fantastic? (laughs) 
Here's an image for you. A trillionth of a trillionth of a trillionth of a second after the Big Bang, the universe was six feet in diameter. That's it. I mean, that's a universe you can get your mind around. Now, one scientist estimates the universe to be 10 billion trillion cubic light years large. Sound about right? Approximately? But this universe that we are in, living in, is a real trickster. For instance, the scientists say the universe is infused throughout with the gas helium. So that could mean my voice is actually an octave lower than it sounds to you. (laughs) Maybe none of us have ever heard our true voices. And it looks like there's a lot of stuff here, right? But there's hardly any stuff here at all because everything we perceive is made of atoms. And atoms are 99.999% empty space. Remember back in high school, your physics teacher said you take the nucleus of an atom and you blow it up millions of times till it's the size of a pea. The electron going around that nucleus will be the size of a grain of sand and it'll be a half a mile away. There's hardly any matter to matter. So if your body's made of atoms, and atoms are mostly empty space, what is holding your clothes on? (laughs) Not only does the emperor have no clothes, the clothes hardly have any emperor. (laughs) Or as they say in Zen, form is emptiness, emptiness is form. Of course, now they've broken the atom down into three minuscule subatomic particles. Quarks, leptons, and gluons. I'm not sure how it works, but I think the gluons hold the quarks and the leptons together. (laughs) I was just starting to understand matter when the scientists started talking about antimatter. They say the universe is filled with antimatter. And every time a particle of matter meets a particle of antimatter... They annihilate each other. Hmm. I think the discovery of antimatter is proof that whoever or whatever created the universe in the first place was somewhat ambivalent. (laughs) Particle of matter. Oh, it'll be so much trouble, particle of antimatter. But the discovery of antimatter raises important new questions for us humans. Now we not only have to ask what's the matter, we have to ask what's the antimatter. And, of course, does it antimatter? <laughs> Maybe all of our questioning will be answered someday by the grand theory, the, the unified theory, the theory of everything, which they're looking for. The current version of which is the superstring theory, which says that everything in the universe is composed of these minuscule vibrating strings of energy. The superstring theory also says there are seven more dimensions to reality that didn't unfold in our universe. And it's, it's probably a good thing, because we can barely manage four dimensions, you know? <laughs> Height, width, depth, and time. If there were seven more dimensions to reality, think of how much harder it'd be to find your car keys, you know? <laughs> keep your weight down. Maybe one of those dimensions is full of lost socks. You know, or... 
maybe one of those dimensions is where birds go to die. They find, you know, they find a little entryway, and they because you never see them, you know. So they must be in another dimension. The birds. But the scientists are finally discovering what mystics have known for centuries, and that is that consciousness plays a very important role in the creation of reality. In fact, the Copenhagen interpretation of quantum physics says, and I quote, there is no reality in the absence of observation. Huh? You want me to repeat that? There is no reality in the absence of observation. So let's try a little scientific experiment right here tonight. <laughs> Everybody, please look over to this side of the room. You're going to have to turn around. To, yeah, the, the experiment does not work otherwise. All right, everybody looking over this side. That should mean the other side of the room has disappeared. No. <laughs> uh, it, well, it's, it either reassembled itself or somebody was peeking or... But there's really nothing here at all. Uh, at the very core of matter, they found energy. And as one scientist put it, matter is just gravitationally trapped light. It's basically a light show. Everything is in process. There is no thingness. No thingness. I think it's the ultimate irony in a civilization thoroughly devoted to materialism that our scientists would discover that matter may not even exist. <laughs> or as the Buddha said, Thus shall ye view the world, a star at dawn, a bubble in a stream, a flash of lightning in a summer cloud, a flickering lamp, a phantom, and a dream. So what's going to happen? to this space-time universe that we're in. Uh, the scientists say it's going to expand forever. They expect it ex to expand forever into nothingness. They call that a cold death. However, if there's enough gravity in the universe, or enough gravitas, perhaps, the expansion will slow down and everything will begin collapsing in a process the scientists call the big crunch and everything will go back into a singularity again. They call that a heat death. Which do you prefer? <laughs> heat death or cold death? The, the universe is going to get you coming or going. I like the idea of it all coming together again. And then maybe there'll be another big bang, and we'll all be reborn into another space-time universe, maybe one with less friction, more harmony. You know, the Dalai Lama was asked if they had the Big Bang in Tibetan Buddhist cosmology. He said, mm, oh, yes, but bang, 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 many bangs, <laughs> many universes. The Hindus say their creator deity, Brahma, every time he blinks his eyes shut, a universe is destroyed. Every time he opens his eyes again, another universe is created. You can try it for yourself. It actually works. But for now, 
here we are in this space-time universe. And at least on the surface, we're all doing this strange dance of matter. There's a dance everybody's doing, if they like it or not. Even when you're sleeping, you're doing it, you just can't stop. You may not know how to make the moves, but every single part of you is in the groove. You're doing a subatomic shuffle. Your electrons are spinning around, they do it all night. Your leptons are leaping to, to the left and to the right. You know your photons are flashing on and off, and all your antimatter is real gone stuff. All doing that subatomic shuffle. Well, step inside of matter, you'll find a mad hatter. He'll pull you out on the floor. You'll be quivering your quarks while you're dancing in the dark. Your super strings will vibrate more and more. Doing that subatomic shuffle. Now listen, everybody's dancing with you. Everybody's in step. The walls are dancing and the ceiling is hip you may think there are things that are not alive but look a little closer it's a subatomic jive it's a subatomic shuffle now they say your atoms keep moving even after you're dead Some say your mind keeps moving too after it falls out of your head. The scientists will tell you nothing dies. You can't stop dancing even if you try. Can't stop doing that subatomic shuffle. It's the ultimate bebop. To be or not to bebop. It's a subatomic Shuffle. Thank you, thank you, thank you. So, so here we are in this space-time universe. Homo sapiens sapiens trying to put a good face on it, you know trying to make out that life is beautiful and serves some higher purpose. But it's also possible to have a somewhat cynical, dark attitude. I've been struggling with it my whole life. Uh, I now consider myself a cynic in recovery. <laughs> yeah, and, and you know, it's not to say there aren't good reasons for, for cynicism. There are. There's civilization, <laughs> humanity, <laughs> religion, politics, etc. But 
the main reason to have a somewhat negative attitude are the basic facts of life themselves. I mean, let's face it, life is hard. That's why I like the Buddha so much. He starts all of his teaching with, with the first noble truth, which says that everyone who is born will face disappointment and dissatisfaction and disease and sickness and old age and death. You find that funny. (laughs) In fact, when I first heard that first noble truth, it was a great relief. Because I realized that I had not been singled out for special punishment. (laughs) We're all in this together. And misery loves company. So as a form of group therapy, let's go through the basic facts of life together, can we? Okay. First of all, you didn't ask to be born. Or at least you don't remember asking. Sometime in early childhood, you suddenly kind of wake up and, damn, I'm in a life, you know? And everyone who is born uh, has built in this very powerful survival instinct. So... And you don't want to die. So it's like... <laughs> These things are really, you know, over... There we go. See if you can, see if you can untangle that a little bit. Maybe, maybe not. <laughs> that should be enough. Yeah, I can. I'll have to limit my dancing. Okay. Anyway, so you didn't ask to be born, and you, there's this very powerful instinct that makes you want to stay alive. So it's like nature trapped you in this life. And you don't get to choose who you're going to be. You don't get to choose your body, the body you will inhabit. I don't remember a catalog of choices being offered. Would you like eyes in the front and the back? Would you like to swim, fly, or walk as your primary means of locomotion? No, you just get the standard issue, biped, mid-sized mammal, big forebrain. You don't get to choose your personality. The geneticists say we're all born with a particular temperament to be withdrawn or aggressive or novelty-seeking. And the psychologists say that whatever part of our personality isn't set at birth will be firmly in place long before we have any choice in the matter in early childhood. Which brings us to the fact that we didn't get to choose our parents, the dear ones who set our lifelong neurosis for us. So we didn't get to choose our body. We didn't get to choose our personality. It's not true what they said in the 60s. You're free to be yourself. You're forced to be yourself. (laughs) And then, in order to keep this body alive, you've got to feed it. So that means you've got to work. You've got to, you know, type or think or schlep or something or, or hunt. 
Uh, and you've got to, every time you get out of bed in the morning, you have to fight gravity. You have to fight gravity with every step you take. And you're not told exactly why you're here or what you're supposed to be doing while you're here. You're given just enough consciousness to know that you do exist and that someday you will die, which you very much don't want to do. These are the facts of life. As Wavy Gravy says, if you don't have a sense of humor, it's just not funny. I think Nietzsche put it well. Nietzsche put it well. He said, God's only excuse is that he doesn't exist. And then there's aging. Oh. I didn't, I didn't really understand aging until I started doing it more often. I didn't understand aging until my body began to explain it to me. First, my eyes spoke up. Mr. Nisker, we've just about seen enough. (laughs) Tired of staring at beautiful sunsets and beautiful women, we're taking the old receptors and focusing muscles and going into (laughs) semi-retirement. And then my bowels spoke up. They've been speaking to me my whole life, but they began to sing a different tune. (laughs) Hey, Nisker, we're tired of your crap. Tired of pushing it around down here. We're going on a work slowdown. <laughs> and then my dear testicles, they spoke to me. said, hey, man, you know, we've produced a lot of sperm over the years down here, enough to populate an entire galaxy with your offspring. We know you've wasted a lot of it, too. Well, maybe you better uh, take robes or start seriously practicing Tantra because we're running out of juice. And then my bladder spoke up. It was nice. It tried to explain it to me. It said, you know, Wes, you go over to the sink and you turn on the faucet and there's a washer broke inside. And uh, so the water comes out sideways or in a spray. And then you can't turn it all the way off? Well, there's a washer broke down here, and we can't find a new one. So don't expect to get a good night's sleep until your next life. And then, and then my, my memory spoke up. And basically had two words to say to me. Forget it. Just forget it. I don't know. I was telling Joanna, lately, you know, when you get to be a certain age, you start to notice these little brown spots that, you know, appear. I figured out what that is. That's nature marking you as one of the next group to be taken, you know.
Woke up this morning, there was trouble in my mind. Tried some meditation, but no peace could I find. Called up my guru, I asked him what to do. He said, son, you just gotta remember that first noble truth. You were born to suffer. You were born to pay your dues. And that path keeps getting longer when you've got the Buddha blues. When our money will bring you problems and love will make you cry. Sometimes it seems like life is just a bitch and then you die. The Buddha said desire is what keeps you feeling bad. And now my desire to end my desire is the worst one I ever had. It's gonna lead me to suffer. It's gonna lead me to pay more dues. And that path goes on forever when you got the Buddha blue. Now listen, the Christian people believe you go to heaven or you go to hell. The Jews believe the Messiah's yet to come, gonna judge this life so well. Some people believe it don't mean nothing in the end. The Buddha done told me I'm gonna come back and do it again and again and again. Be reborn to suffer. Born to pay my dues, and that path goes on forever when you got the beauty blue. Now you know we're all born in it in a world of greed and hate. Maybe things will get better when we reincarnate. Won't have so many problems. Next life will be fine as long as you don't get a body, Lord. As long as you don't get a mind. Won't have so much trouble, won't have to pay so many dues. That path could get a little shorter, won't have so many Buddha blues. I'm praying that path will get a little shorter, won't have so many Buddha blues. I'll maybe do uh, I'll do a little more. Yeah. Turn my mic up. Break a grin like the Buddhas make it thin, just a little teaser, thin just like the Mona Lisa's smile. It does wonders for your skin, helps get rid of double chins, 
It could even give your eyes a twinkle Maybe raise a dimple Brand new wrinkle if you smile When you're stuck in the gloom Can't find any room Your mind is pulling its hair Bring your mind home, settle it on your abdomen And take a deep breath of air And smile like the Buddha for a while Even though you know the facts Know that there's no turning back You just gotta face it, taste it all And grace it all with a smile Gotta confess, the world's in a mess, the change is up to you and me. But to turn it around, you got to get rid of that frown and become what you want it to be. So smile as you sabotage the state. Just because it feels so great, doesn't matter if you lose or if you win. You'll always be a winner as long as there's a grin or a smile. And when you cut through confusion, you'll come to this conclusion. Life is one big sweet mystery. And then no matter what you do, you'll tickle, it'll be tickled to be human and you won't take it too seriously. You'll just smile like the Buddha for a while. Even though you're gonna die. So make the smile a little ride. In the end, you know, the last thing you do, make the last thing you do be a smile. Smile on the Buddha and on your brother and sister and smile for a while. Thank you, thank you, thank you. All right, I just want to—I just want to conclude by uh, bringing everything together into one thing, one non-thing thing. I don't know. Some of you were around in the '60s. I can tell. Uh, There we go. How's that? Is that better? You want me to turn my mic up? That's right. Uh, testing, 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 testing. There it is. Is that better? Okay. So um, I remember often you'd be standing around in a stoned conversation. And somebody would inevitably say, well, man, everything is everything. <laughs> and that was a, a conversation stopper, for sure. <laughs> you know, once someone says everything is everything, there are no further distinctions can be made. <laughs> but it's true. It's true. Everything is everything. And vice versa. <laughs> everything is everything for better or for worse. Uh -huh. Everything is 
Everything, on some level anyway, everything is just a play of shadow and light. And everything is everything, morning, noon, and night. Plato said, we live in a cave of illusion. The Taoist wonders, am I awake or in a dream? And Einstein, he came to this conclusion. He said, this, this matter is not what it seems. And everything is everything. Say the, say the prophets and the mystics and the poets. Everything is poetry and physics. That's the line. Everything is poetry and physics. Say the something and the mystics. <laughs> it's all in space-time. It's all in your mind. It's what you believe. It's the dance of Shiva. It's the veil of Maya. It's the net of Indra. It's the robes of the prophet. It's all made out of the same cloth. It's electrical, chemical, AC and DC, and E equals MC squared, and therefore MC squared equals E. It's quarks, leptons, and gluons, meons, and muons, for eons and eons. <laughs> Through a telescope or a microscope, it's all the same. By any name, the macro, the micro, the sky above, the mud below, it's all one. And there's really nothing new under the sun. So, if you're walking on a spiritual path, and trying to get to the one, maybe you better do your math. Because if everything is everything, you're already done. And everything is. Everything. Everything is. Sex, drugs, and rock and roll. Body and soul, birth, death, and all the rest. Everything is a metaphor for everything else. Everything is perfect in its imperfection. In all the ten directions. Everything is. You. You are the song. You are the universe. You are everything. Okay, that's enough. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, thank you. Um, thank you so much. Uh, just a little, you know, uh, addendum. I will be performing in Berkeley on... June 2nd and 3rd at the Freight and Salvage, uh, a full hour and, and a half show. And um, uh, also there's CDs and DVDs out there that include a lot of this material. The lyrics are there. Yeah, you, you, wanna, you just want the lyrics without the voice, right? Yeah, it's a, <laughs> Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.